last eight weeks, we've been talking about the stories of faith. We've been in Hebrews 11. It's been awesome getting to hear these other pastors and speakers come up and talk to us and, and, and help us to see God's faithfulness through the lens of these faithful men and women that walked uh, in, in the past. And today I want to talk to you guys about faith. And I believe it's just something that's near and dear to God's heart. I want to share this quote with you. Pastor Steve kicked off our series by sharing this quote by Tozer, and I thought that it was uh, really applicable to today's message. So let's read this together. It's the Christian who feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen, talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. I love this quote, and I don't know if you caught it there, but if you look at that first part, the Christian feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen. This is a great picture of someone who has a relationship with Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but if I don't know you, I don't have any supreme love for you. That's just the truth of it, okay? My heart is not for you. But when you enter into a relationship, especially with somebody that's worthy and valuable, our hearts can be moved towards that. So this is where we should be moving towards. If we don't have a supreme love for Christ, well, I'm going to give you some keys today that's going to help us to be able to experience him so that our heart can grow in fondness and in love with him. Steve reminded us that the author of Hebrews is talking about a certain kind of faith. This is a kind of faith that is supposed to be lived out and that as believers we're supposed to have. It's a faith that's experienced. The kind of faith that he's talking about is one that pushes us in perseverance to live now, not because we want to be justified, but because we are justified, because we have a faith, we have a relationship, because we do know the Savior. That's this kind of faith, one that pushes us so that it affects everyone around us. Not just me, but it could be seen and experienced by others. That's the kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. You know, we walk by faith because we are justified, and to be justified means simply to have forgiveness by God, to, to be standing in a right relationship with Him. And we'll talk a little bit more about how we can enter into that relationship a little bit later. If you're here today, and you are not a follower of Jesus, and this whole concept of faith in God seems silly, or you don't understand, look, I get it. It wasn't too long ago that I was in your seat, and I, I understand but I want to talk to you for just a second. I am super glad that you are here. You are in the right place. And the things that I'm going to talk about today that we're going to be discussing applies to every person in every walk of life. We're talking about how what we believe should be reflected in how we act. If you hang around with me for just a little bit of time, you'll see that I'm the kind of guy that likes to push you to action. I'll ask you questions like, but don't you love Jesus? You're like, oh, I love Jesus. And I'm like, well, okay, there's a disconnect. Something's not right here. Okay, my wife tells me, well, if you love me, then why don't you wash the dishes, right? So if I love my wife, I should be washing the dishes because that's what I believe, that I love her, and that's what serves her. So that's just a little illustration, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you think about it, as Christians, our faith should be seen now, and it should be reflected in how we love God and love others. We should be walking in a way that represents Christ's heart. And for many Christians, for, for some reason, faith was only something that we did so that we could be saved. And maybe that was expressed to you. Hey, you need to be forgiven. You can have eternal life. Put your faith in Jesus, and you'll get it. And that is an aspect of, of faith. 
But that's not what faith was meant to do. Faith was meant to push us into relationship with God so that we could experience him now. God wasn't interested in just one day getting to heaven. He's interested in knowing you now and you knowing him, walking in relationship and serving him and obeying him and walking by faith. If you open up Hebrews 11 real quick, we're going to scan this chapter. And in case you haven't been following along, now's the time to look at this. I want you to come away. There's, there's a, a conclusion here. And if you don't get anything else today, which I hope you do, I hope you'll get this. But if you look at Hebrews 11, there's a constant theme. What do you see the author trying to get across to us by two words? What are those two words? By faith. That's the life of the Christian, by faith. Because the power comes from God, comes from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. That's, we need to walk in faith in order to see his faithfulness. It's important. So church, we need to choose to live by faith day by day, moment by moment, so that we don't miss out on experiencing God. And I believe that faith in Jesus changes us because faith in Jesus leads us to him. If my faith led me somewhere else, I don't expect there to be much change, honestly, because the object of my faith is really what has the power to change me. If I put my faith in some man or some woman or something like that, well, guess what? You're going to be let down and you're going to be led astray. That's the truth. Jesus never said, follow men. He said, follow me. So our faith is led, leads us to him, leads us to Jesus. But let me make it clear, faith coupled with the grace of God does change our position before him. Paul talks about how we are made alive in Christ. Look at this verse he said, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. When we were enemies of God in our sin with no knowledge of him in the dominion of darkness, God saw us, and I love these characteristics. Do you guys see that? But God being rich in mercy, saw us in our desperate need, withholding his punishment that we deserve, he demonstrated his love. He didn't just have a good feeling in his heart, like, oh, I love Trevor, oh, I love Liz. He demonstrated it through his son on the cross. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you ever knew him, he demonstrated it. And look what he says here, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot enter into a relationship with God unless we have faith. You remember what the writer of Hebrews said? Without faith, it is impossible to please God, and the righteous one shall live by faith. So we can have a relationship. God's unmerited favor and this gift of forgiveness and eternal life can be ours if we would place our faith in him, if we would trust alone in all that he has done. It's right there. You can't work for it. You'll never be able to earn it or deserve it. And it's because of God that we are saved. Look at these titles that he bestows upon us. Maybe you don't walk in the understanding of who you are in Christ, but this is what he says. You are born again, spiritually alive. You're a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. Something worth celebrating to live out. You have become a child of God. And I like this last one too, free from condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just like any family, if a baby is born, okay, if we have come into that family, think about this, if the king has told us to follow him and we step into his kingdom, he has some expectations for us. God expects us to live our life a certain way. 
Do we just go on living the way we always did until we grow old one day and we die and we enter into his presence and we say, party? It's going to be weird looking for a God we don't even really know because we never really spent time with him or got to know him. We're looking for Jesus, but we don't know who he is or what he's like. It doesn't make any sense. He wants to grow us up in our faith, knowing him and following him. Paul goes on and actually talks about what we were saved for. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Made alive in Christ, walk in good works. You see how that works? Not walk in a bunch of good works and then be made alive in Christ. It doesn't work like that. Because we've been made new, born again, a child of God, a new creation, no longer condemned, we can walk free and following the Savior. That's what we're saved for, ladies and gentlemen. I love the picture of John 15. Maybe you guys have uh, heard this one that Jesus paints with the vine and the branches. You guys familiar with this? Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and he talks about producing fruit. And I love it, okay? He says abide. I like, I like to put my fingers together. When he's saying abide, he means to stay connected, remain close, abide in me. And he says, he who abides in me will produce much fruit. But he goes on, and there's kind of like this pattern. He says, abide in me, produce fruit. Then he says, my father is glorified by this, that you would produce much fruit. So then who do we give glory to? When we produce fruit, God gets the glory. And then listen, he says, therefore prove to be my disciples. Abide in me, produce fruit, it glorifies my God, so prove to be disciples. Jesus told us what to do. And he didn't stay there. I'll let you hear the rest of it, okay? He says, and I told you all these things so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be made full. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that's joyful. I want to live a life where I experience joy. I know I'm going to see him face to face one day in heaven. That's going to be great. But right now, I want it to be an experience that I like. It's pleasing. And he tells us what to do. Abide. I'll produce fruit through you. You'll glorify me and my father, and you'll be my disciple, and you'll have great joy. So in case you're living a life and wondering, like, where's this joy? I thought following God was good and stuff. Well, maybe you're not actually following Jesus. Maybe you're not walking by faith. And that's what we need to do. Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus has called us to follow him. He really just wants our heart. We'll talk a little bit about that. But faith changes what we trust in and what we believe and therefore should determine how we act. What you believe should determine how you act. I wrote this. It's nothing simple. It just makes sense to me, so hopefully you guys grasp it. But what's your God? That's what you worship. What's your authority? That's what you obey. What's your teacher? That's who you follow. What's your love? That's what you serve. And I put what in there on purpose because even as believers, sometimes we put things in the place of where God's supposed to be. We don't even, I don't even have who here Okay, because sometimes it's something. I, I, to be transparent, I've told this to people before, sometimes my belly is my authority. Okay? You start smoking meat or cooking chocolate chip cookies, the, the, my belly says, mm, I want that, and I will listen to it. And this is a silly illustration, but it's true, and why I say it is because the littlest of things can get in the place of the love for God that I'm supposed to have. You may not even realize it. You may be following a news station instead of following Christ. Let's just be honest. Who's teaching you? Who's the one that's pouring into you? Who's the one that's telling you what's true? 
We need to be following Jesus. Now listen to this. Faith is what changes the heart of the slave to sin. The one who loves the temporary pleasures of this world, the freedoms that they can have, all the world can give. Faith changes that heart to the heart of God, the master who is exceptionally far greater. Paul talked about that with his life. Even though Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was beyond his peers and his knowledge and all of these things, listen to how he explains his old life. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. He found heaven. He found that pearl in the field. He found Jesus on the way to Damascus. And he was willing to give up everything to have him. I love his heart there. Church, I I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it in a question. Do you believe that it is better to be a child of God than a slave to sin? Absolutely, right? Some of you maybe just haven't experienced that. Maybe you put your faith in Jesus so that you could be saved and you never left the altar. You're still standing at that decision because you've never walked with Christ yet. You're just a little baby in the faith. We want to help you. We want to help you to grow. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came so that we would be saved. He came so that we would know truth and that truth would set us free. Jesus came so that we would have abundant life. I like to call the time period between when we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and when we see him face to face in the afterlife, I like to call this period the now life. This is the life that God has saved us to live now. And I believe that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about, a living faith. We are, to, we are called to live and experience God now until we see him face to face. It's not always easy, but God promised that he would be with us. That's the truth. The now life is about experiencing Jesus now. And until we enter our rest in heaven, we're going to live by faith. That's what he's called us to. I uh, heard a story, I don't know, a month ago, about a man, uh, about a woman who had entered into a program. She had a substance abuse issue and entered into a program or a ministry to get some help. I don't know any of the details. I don't know who the person was. It was just a friend who was texting about this woman. And it was a tragedy. This woman checked in, and then the very next day, she overdosed and died. And I think about this story. God gripped my heart because, like, she was so close. She had finally come to this point of being desperately aware that she needed help. And she checked in. She took a step and checked in. I'm going to get help. But then for some reason, and I know this is exactly how it is even for Christians, we walk still in our sin and on our addictions, and she chose, I'll take another hit, one more maybe. But it was her last one, and she died. And God reminded me of the, the, the fragileness of our life. James says that our life is like a mist. It's like a vapor. It's here, and then it's gone. We don't know the number of our days. Death comes in and takes our family members away, and we had no idea that that was the day they would die. And this poor lady passed out died and into eternity I don't know where but God reminded me that 150,000 people die every day almost to a second and the scriptures if we believe them by faith it says that the path is wide that leads to destruction and many will find it many people will enter into hell but what God really put on my heart was that faith in Jesus leads me to trust all that he says. 
Church, by faith, we believe that God has provided hope through his son, Jesus Christ. And by faith, we believe that we have eternal life and we will spend forever with God in paradise, in heaven. By faith, like we just sang, we believe that there will be a day that he will wipe away every tear and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. But by faith, church, we believe that whoever's name is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire where they will be tormented in hell forever and ever in God's prison because they rejected Christ. And what God was impressing upon my heart, now this is my conviction, but I believe it's true, is that Jesus said both. And if I'm not motivated enough to tell people about Christ by the promises of heaven, then maybe I need to taste hell a little bit. Maybe I've forgotten because I'm far too removed from where I was and I'm no longer sensitive to the people that are dying and entering into hell. But heaven wasn't enough to motivate me, so maybe I need to start thinking a little bit about hell. And then I can have some compassion like Jesus did because Jesus modeled that. Church, we need to consider all things that Jesus said. They are true. We can't have faith in some and reject the others. God wants us to walk by faith and be like Christ. We're being conformed to his image, and that's important. Just like the men of Hebrews 11, men and women of Hebrews 11, their faith led them to what? Action. By faith, Sarah believed. By faith, Abraham did. By faith, Joshua did. By faith, Rahab did. This is important because we need to be sharing our faith. We need to be sharing our faith for the glory of God and for the sake of others. God didn't call us to have a now life of comfort and self-satisfaction. Jesus actually said, deny yourself, take up your crosses daily, and follow me. Whatever he wants is best. We need to walk by faith in order to experience the miracle of God. That's the truth of it. Now I'm going to give you the key. In case you didn't know this, it's going to blow your mind. Living by faith is much easier when we recognize Jesus' rightful place in our life. Look at this. By faith in Jesus, you live according to Jesus. Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, it's the name of God. We put those vowels in there so we can pronounce it or try to, okay? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. If he is your God, that's who you worship. If Jesus is your authority, that's who you obey. If Jesus is your teacher then that's who you follow. And if Jesus is your love, then that's who you serve. Put him in the right place. And what I mean by that is recognize that he's already there. He sits in those places. That's who he is. He is God. He is Lord. He is teacher. And he is the one that you're supposed to love. And we respond appropriately. Man, we fall in love with Christ. And we work backwards. Man, if I love Jesus, guess what? I serve him. I love Jesus and I want to obey him. If I love Jesus, I'm going to worship him. Let your heart grow fond of him. His value and his worth is great. Get to know him so that your heart beats big and soft for the Lord and what he's called us to do. Here at Desert Springs, we exist to make disciples. And we believe a disciple is somebody who engages with God, connects with others, and lives on mission. We do this to multiply and make disciples. This is the mission that God has given to us. That great commission, that command in Matthew 28, that's what pushes us as a church. And regardless if our church didn't do this and we disobeyed Jesus, that's your command. That's what you are called to do. 
to make disciples. And ladies and gentlemen, God is our authority, whether you believe in him or not. But I believe if we don't get this correct, biblical discipleship and evangelism will scarcely exist in the world, if at all. So let's turn to Matthew 28 and let's look at the command that God has given to each and every single one of us. I'll have the verses up on the screen too if you want to read there. This is coined the Great Commission. The generation today doesn't even know that word. They don't know those terms. We don't talk about it enough in churches. And they don't know. If you ask them, hey, what's the Great Commission? They don't, they don't know. Maybe they've memorized Matthew 28. I don't know. Okay. But the reality is this is our mission. Let's read. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, the Son of God, he is saying he has all authority. You can't find a place, no matter where you run and hide, no matter what ship you get on, no matter where you fly to, that Jesus does not have authority. He is in charge of all things and all places. He is our authority. And when we get this right, then it's easier for us to understand the rest of the passage and what we're supposed to do. What's he say in 19 and 20? Go therefore make disciples, right? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. When we realize that he has the authority and he's commanding us to do something, well, it makes more sense that we would do it. Jesus wants us to make disciples. He's commanding us to make disciples. It's not a suggestion. A disciple is a learner, an imitator, a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who's learning to lovingly obey all that Jesus has commanded. We'll mess up, guaranteed, but that's why we need each other. That's why God gave us the church. He gave us the Holy Spirit. But we're learning. We're growing. There's movement. There's action. And we're learning to lovingly obey, not out of like guilt or compunction, but because God's worth it. And I want to show him that I love him. In the context of evangelism, a disciple is somebody who shares the gospel. Disciples are supposed to share the gospel. And if we have good discipleship, we got good evangelism. That's the truth. Church, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and then he gave us our mission to do the same, to make disciples. And in verse 19, where Jesus says, go therefore, he's referring to his authority. I'm in charge, so go make disciples. He's got the authority. He's got the power, and he... He has every right to control our behavior and tell us how we should live. But I believe that he's good, and I believe that his ways are perfect, and that he has what's best for me. Many people don't believe that today, but I do. My faith leads me to him, and I have experienced him and his faithfulness in my life, just like these people in Hebrews 11 that we've been reading about. But here's the thing, folks. Either we recognize Jesus or Lord as Lord, or we don't. We either recognize this as a command or just the suggestion. We either obey it, or we ignore it. That's the truth. We sit on one side or the other. And I believe that our efforts are directly related to our understanding of who Jesus is and our love for him. And since Jesus has commanded us to make disciples, we as a church, we're going to continue to reach those people that God has put into our lives. When we walk by faith, we live on mission. We talk about this all the time. And when we live on mission... We show Jesus with our lives, and we share Jesus with our lips. We work to reach the people that God has put into our lives one by one. By faith, you work to reach your one. So who's your one? 
that's who you reach. Your one is not my one, unless for some reason we live in the same house, okay? Maybe, all right? I get it, your children, but maybe that's your mom, your spouse, your sister, brother, auntie, cousin, neighbor. It's a person you met at the coffee shop, someone you work with every day. Maybe you haven't met your one yet. Maybe it's a new believer that's in your life that you need to come alongside and help to know who Jesus is, to become more like Christ. But by faith, we work to reach those people in our lives. It's an intentional step. Faith isn't something we live out intentionally. It's not passive. We don't just sit around. Folks, in three weeks, roughly, Pastor Steve is going to be talking to us and calling us to commit to reaching this person. Pastor Steve will be back next week, and we'll start this series, and I'm sure he'll mention it. But we got a few weeks to be praying about who that person is that God wants us to be reaching. In case you didn't know, we did this a couple years ago, and then the pandemic came, and nobody came to church, and we shut down, and so on and so forth, okay? Things got all messed up. But we still have the pictures on the windows. Who's your one? And we had boards up here that had people's names on it. And in a few weeks, we're going to pull out those boards, and you're going to be able to write that person's name down. And we're going to be praying for those people. And you, as you work to reach them, and we're going to celebrate the stories of God's faithfulness as he works through you and your life as you work to reach those people. It's going to be exciting. Some of you may be sitting there and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't do that. I am not equipped, so on and so forth. We got it covered. There's a lot of things going on in the church. We exist to make disciples, and that means we want to help you to grow. One thing that we'll be doing is an evangelism training semester in September. If you want to learn to articulate your faith, great. It's not about going to the park. So many people tell me I'm not doing training because I'm not going to the park. Evangelism is not about going to the park. That's just a place that we go sometimes and share our faith. Evangelism is about sharing the gospel. And I want to help you to learn to share your faith. And we're going to focus, gear it a little bit more towards sharing with people who you have relationships with. So having some strategy in how we can reach those people. And secondly, we have a podcast that's coming out August 8th. It's called The Now Life. Imagine that. And this podcast is meant for us here at Desert Springs Community Church to be encouraged to walk by faith now. You guys can catch that. You can listen to that if, you know, it's 20-minute, 30, 30-minute podcast. And I, I, I guarantee it's going to encourage you to walk by faith. So there's another tool that you can use. Just turn to your neighbor and say, help me. And your neighbor should help you as well. The reality is, is that we're going to do this intentionally. You know, I was someone's person once. And so were you. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus, you were someone's person. And like the author of Hebrews, I have written some stories about faithful men and women in my life. And I want to share them with you. By faith, my dad sat me down at the kitchen table when I was a young boy and he shared the gospel with me. He planted a seed with me. He wanted me to know Jesus. He told me that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, that he rose from the dead, and that he could be my savior if I believe in him. And I believed what my dad said. I just got the gospel wrong because I thought I had to earn it. But he, he, he was faithful. He didn't mess up. He, he was successful in what he did. By faith, Corporal Lugo, when I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, stepped out willing to take the risk of telling his sergeant that he had the gospel all wrong and that he wasn't going to heaven. He did. He told me, no, you're messed up, man. You don't know the gospel, right? And I said, no, I do. I know. And I walked in pride. And he was warning me and telling me that I didn't. Listen to this one. By faith, Mark, believing that he may have been the only person God had in Sean's life, chose to give up his comforts and time to share his faith with Sean. My best friend Mark spent time with me and shared the gospel with me. I was his one. 
By faith, Steve, knowing that evangelism is the lifeblood of the church and knowing that the gospel is the power of God to save people from hell, he preached the gospel. And Sean, by grace, through faith, was saved. These are some stories that of faithful people and how God worked through them that affected me. Now, here's the thing, folks. What story is God writing through you? That's what matters here. By faith, Andy reached. By faith, roadblock reached. What does God want to do through you? He's been writing stories since the day he created everything. And he didn't stop in Hebrews 11. Those people are no better than us. They're just flesh and bones. We are living, breathing followers of Jesus with the Holy Spirit and dwelt in us. We can go and share the gospel, the power of God for salvation to everyone who would believe. We can live by faith and those stories will be written. And it gives God such glory because we say, praise God. Thank you, Lord. It's all about him. We just get to walk in response to our faith. And I'm excited about that. These people in Hebrews 11, they didn't know all the details of God's plan. They didn't know how it was going to roll out. But by faith, they walked, trusting in his faithfulness. And if you want to see God's faithfulness in you, if you want to see that story written through you, if you want to see that one come to know Jesus, to begin to follow him, and to be worshiping God forever in heaven, then you need to walk by faith now. That's what needs to happen. Don't leave this task for someone else to do. I don't know your friends and family. I'll share with them if they come around me. I don't know them, though. This is for you. God wants you to be intentional in loving him and doing these things. Church, over the next three weeks, we're going to be praying about who's that one in our life. We're going to make it a matter of intentional prayer. So be doing that. Write it down. Put an alarm. Do something and say, God, who is it that you want me to reach? And in three weeks, when we're asked to commit to that, we are going to do it together. And we're going to encourage one another. And we are all going to stand up here and celebrate because that's what we do as the body. When God does things in people's lives, we all get to celebrate. It's going to be exciting. Here's the truth, though. Jesus came to save the lost. He had compassion. Matthew 9, we see a great picture. He's going through the villages, the synagogues, the cities, and he's healing people. And he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And it says that Jesus looked upon the crowds and he had compassion for them. He saw them. They were desperate and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd and Jesus did something about it I love that our God had compassion for us and was willing to suffer the cross so that we could be saved he was uncomfortable for us he gave up everything so that we could know him listen to this quote I love it it's strong language I like strong language okay not cussing I like strong language if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. That's Charles Spurgeon. I've talked a lot about faith today. And for those of you who are here and you have not come to faith in Jesus, if you're listening online and you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I hope that you've picked it up along the way. I told you that we would talk about how we could begin that relationship with God. By faith. Faith is the only way that we can start that relationship to come into a right standing with God, to be forgiven. He's promised that, and that's what He wants for us. But listen to me my arms are wrapped around your knees right now. 
God wants you to know him today. He's done everything so that we can have a relationship with him. Listen to this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve hell, but God has provided forgiveness through his son as a gift. And because it's a gift, you and I, we can never earn it and we'll never deserve it. And the reason it has to be a gift is because all of us have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If lust is adultery and hate is murder and all liars have their part in the lake of fire, then we're in trouble, folks. I've done them all. And so have you. Because we sinned, we can't save ourselves. There's nothing that you or me can do to escape the punishment we deserve. And even though God is merciful and he's a loving God and he doesn't want to punish us, he's a just God, he is holy, and he must punish sin. It says that he will not allow the guilty to go unpunished. And that punishment is forever separation in a place called hell. Eternal punishment from God forever. And that's why he's declaring that we must repent. We must come to the understanding that we are sinners. Agreeing with God, we turn to him and we cry out, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, I've already done it through my son. He solved our problem. Jesus stepped down from the throne. He took on flesh and bones for us. He walked a perfect life. He lived without sin so that he could die on the, on the cross for us to be that perfect sacrifice. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. Conquering death, he's offered forgiveness of sins and eternal life to everyone who would put their faith in him alone. He suffered and died and did all these things so that we could have a relationship with him now, not when we get to heaven, right now. And if you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus, put your faith in him. True saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. And if God has convicted your heart and you've come to see your desperate need for the Savior, then in just a minute we're going to pray quietly in our seats and we're going to respond to this message. And I want more than anything for God to convict you that you need him. I don't want you to wait another day and die like that lady. I want you to choose Jesus now. I want to be with you forever. Listen to this promise. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's all you have to do. In your seat, cry out to the Lord. Tell him that you've placed your faith in him and that you want him to save you. And that's what he'll do. Mm -hmm.